This episode of Eat the Rules is brought to you by You on Fire. You on Fire is the online group coaching program that I run that gives you a step-by-step way of building up your self-worth beyond your appearance. With personalized coaching from me, incredible community support, and lifetime access to the program so that you can get free from body shame and live life on your own terms. Get details on what's included and sign up for the next cycle at summerinandin.com forward slash you on fire. I'd love to have you in that group. This is Eat the Rules, a podcast about body image, self-worth, anti-dieting, and intersectional feminism. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and the best-selling author of Body Image Remix. If you're ready to break free of societal standards and stop living behind the number on your scale, then you have come to the right place. Welcome to the show. This is episode 273, and I'm joined by Taylor Elise Morrison, author of Inner Workout. We're talking about how she went from being terrible at self-care to now helping others to truly care for themselves. If you've ever struggled with self-care, you are going to want to really listen to this episode. We are chatting about her revolutionary approach to self-care, the five dimensions of self-care, and what we typically get wrong about self-care. You can find the links mentioned at summerinandin.com forward slash 273. I want to give a shout out to whoever left this wonderful review. If you're like me and you've been trying to heal from a lifetime of disordered eating, you must listen to this podcast. Recovery is hard enough when we hear endless conflicting messages from healthcare professionals. But even when we resolve to stop restriction, there is a long road to heal from our diet related trauma. Summer is helping me learn to truly accept my body and to stop all the unhealthy ways I've tried to do this in the past. It's deep, difficult reprogramming work but she seems to really get it. Especially, I love that she's addressing the added body image difficulties we are facing during the pandemic. This this review was left in 2021. Thank goodness we're not really talking about that as much. I know it's still going on, but it's not the acute phase that it was back then. Thank you so much for leaving that review. I really, really appreciate it. You can do me a huge favor by going to Apple Podcasts, search for Eat the Rules, then click to leave a review. You can also get the free 10 day body confidence makeover at summerinandin.com forward slash freebies with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. And if you are a professional or a provider who works with people who may also have body image struggles, get the free body image coaching roadmap at summerinandin.com forward slash roadmap. This is the final episode of season nine of this podcast, I think. It's been nine years. Happy anniversary to me. So this is the final episode of this season. Next season, we'll be back in probably September, October, late September, maybe. In the meantime, I'm going to be replaying some of the best of body image series episodes throughout the summertime. So I hope that you really enjoy those. And I'm going to be sending a survey out 
regarding the podcast. I want to get your feedback uh, just so that I can make sure that I'm giving you content that you want. So I'm going to link to that in the information for this episode. So if you go to whatever platform you're using to listen to this and you find like the entire description for the episode, I'll put the link in there to go to the survey. And uh, if you're on my email list, then you'll see it there. And if you see it on social media, if you follow me on social media, I'll be posting it there too. And if you just have any feedback that you just want to like DM me or send through email, then please feel free to do that. Obviously, I'm not going to make every change that I receive because I sort of have an idea of how things are going to be a little different next year. But I would love to know what topics you want to hear more about so that I can uh, tailor that to you. And I just want to say I really appreciate all of you listening over this past year. It means a lot to me. And uh, I'm super excited about this interview because I think we could all use a different way of thinking about self-care. And that's what Taylor is talking about here. So Taylor Elise Morrison turned being bad at self-care and being firmly convinced of every human's potential into a career. She's the founder of the media company in her workout and the author of a book by the same name, recently named one of Fortune 10's innovators shaping the future of health. Taylor is tired of aspirational wellness as usual. Instead, she builds businesses, content and experiences that make well-being and personal development more accessible. Let's get started with the show. Hi, Taylor. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me, Summer. I'm excited to have you here. And as I said, I really love your perspective on self care. As I said to you before we started recording, I love your 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 take on self care and the way that you've laid it out. And, and something I didn't mention to you before was just like in taking the self assessment tool, the self assessment, I did the online self assessment that you have. And I was like, wow, none of these questions are like what I expected you were going to be asking. It was it was like, so so much more about your relationship with yourself, which we'll get to. And so yeah, so I was just uh, wanted to mention that because it I, I, I was, it made me more excited about interviewing you about this because I was like, Oh, this is really this is like, not what I expected at all. This is really cool. So where we usually start is I would love for you to tell our listeners, yeah, just like what inspired you to want to help people with self care to want to talk about self care? Like, what was your own journey like with that? Yeah, I am always really upfront. I just recorded an Instagram story about this yesterday. Like, I come to this work because I am not naturally good at self care. I am like a recovering perfectionist, a recovering like workaholic, and my tendency is to prioritize like achieving and caring for other people over myself. And the experience that I had was that I, um, I kept getting to this point of burnout. And at the time I was doing like what we would think of as self-care often, like I would journal or I would go get a massage or do my nails or something, but I would still be getting burned out. And it's like, there was this disconnect between these self-care tasks that I was completing and the feeling of being cared for, in my case, the feeling of not being cared for. And so as I started exploring, okay, well, what does it look like to structure my life in a way that 
I'm not constantly getting burned out and that I am feeling cared for in my daily life. That was where it all began. And I started talking about the journey. And then people were like, wait, I'm having similar problems or I'm asking myself similar questions. And then Inner Workout, the company was kind of born out of that. And then years later, now there's like a book and I get to work with people doing this. It's so strange. Sometimes I kind of like laugh that me, this person who is not naturally good at self-care, like gets to do this for my life's work. And I'm so grateful because it keeps me accountable. Yeah, yeah, totally. And one of the things I appreciated too was just like, you acknowledge like your, like the privileges that you have that allow you to be able to like, do certain things and sort of just saying how like a lot of uh, like influencers or sometimes, you know, like experts and, and whatnot, like don't acknowledge that and, and don't sort of, you know, say like, this is easier for me because we have like, I don't have children and I have health insurance and like these other pieces. And and so I thought that that was like, that to me really resonated. I was like, oh, it's such a relief to hear people actually, you know, like say like, this is my situation. And so this is why, you know, I was able to, I was also able to do these things. And that's not to say like, it's not possible for others, but just having that out there so that people don't feel bad when they're not, maybe not able to have access or be able to do the same things. Yeah. Like people can definitely still practice self-care, but it's going to look different. And that really came out of a place of like, somewhat frustration of reading different kinds of books and being like, oh, this is not at all reflective of my experience. And yet this person is writing it as if every single person in the world can relate to it. And I didn't want to write a book like that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, And so you say that self expertise is the new self care. So can you speak to that? Yeah, well, it's really funny. So my mom, before she had me, her first career was as an English teacher. And I feel like I got some of that because a lot of my work, I feel like I want to get really clear on like definitions and what we mean when we say things. So the way that I talk about self-care as listening within and responding in the most loving way possible really frames self-care as a conversation, not like a to-do list of tasks that we're supposed to check off. And then it also frames you as being the expert in your care, which I think is so important. What I see when we talk about, like, I'll call it mainstream self-care, is a lot of times other people external to you are saying, you should wake up at this time, you should eat these foods, you should move your body in this way, you should do these tasks in this order. And if you're not doing this skincare routine or this movement practice, then you're doing it wrong in some way. And some people are more explicit in in the kind of the shame of not doing it that way than others. For others, it's a little bit more like implied that I've got it all together. And there's a lot of problems with that, like some of the things we were talking about just now with privilege. But it's also it's taking you away from your own wisdom in the expertise that you have in your experience. We as humans are dynamic beings who are part of the natural world as much as we try to remove ourselves from the world and forget that we are part of nature. And so we are going to be changing and evolving. And if we're relying on quote unquote experts outside of ourselves to tell us what to do, it's actually making it harder for us to be in our bodies, to be in relationship with ourselves, in relationship with the world around us. 
Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And you talked about like, how you were a high achiever, and like you had self care, and it was like tasks. And I think that a lot of people listening to this are, are wired as more perfectionist high achievers as well, because that really intersects with, you know, body image struggles and things like that. But I've it's really hard to like, switch over like, like how I mean, how did you sort of make that mental shift? from going from like seeing it as like tasks. So really seeing it as like that communication and that like relationship with yourself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the first thing I would say is that it takes time. Like this is like half a decade into this work for myself. So it's easy for me to sit here and be like, yeah, just listen to yourself and respond to love. But it took, it took time for me to get here. I think that it was a lot of permission granting like giving myself permission to do things and to care for myself in a way that would look different than other people, even people that I might admire in some ways. It was permission granting that I can trust myself to know what I need in any given day. So some things for me, like I have realized now for a lot of reasons that moving my body in the morning is just good for my mental health. It fundamentally changes the way that I approach my day. So at this point, like what, 80% of the time I'm going to move my body in the morning, but I give myself a lot of freedom to decide what that looks like. Are we just stretching today? Are we like lifting some weights? Are we doing a dance cardio situation? And that is still in some ways a task, but it really feels like an honoring of myself where I have seen what happens if I don't move my body in the morning. I fairly recently got diagnosed with ADHD. And so like there's certain aspects of knowing that this happens at this part of my day that then sets dominoes for the rest of my day that if I don't have, I can be like very distracted and unmoored. So it's not to say that there is never any structure, but there is a lot of room to play within the structure. And there's a lot of room to question, okay, for example, I'm based in Chicago. It was randomly like 70 degrees yesterday. Now my structure might need to shift from what I needed in the winter when it was dark at 4 p.m. So there's a lot of room to move and play and to evolve instead of before the mentality that I had was checklist. The checklist can never change. You just got to keep rinsing and repeating. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you feel guilty or you feel like a failure or you feel like you're not doing enough or it's not right if you if you're not achieving it in a certain way. So it's like keeping it really flexible. And so what are the you talk about like five different dimensions, I would love for you to just quickly describe those if you are able to do that. Because I, again, that was another area that I was like, Oh, wow, like, that's a really interesting one. I have not thought about that when I think about self care before. Yeah. And whenever someone says that, I'm like, yes, this is what I want. Like I self-care and being in conversation with yourself really touches on almost every aspect of your life. But I think the world that we lived it, live in likes to commercialize it so much and make it seem like this separate thing that you have to do or pay for when really it's so integrated. So this was one of the big paradigm shifts for me was to realize, oh, there are a lot of aspects of me. It's not just about 
me relating to my physical body. I'm a whole being. I'm a multidimensional being. So these five dimensions of well-being are inspired by this yogic concept called the koshas. The first is the physical dimension, which is about the way you talk to and about your body, being in conversation with your body. Then there's the energetic dimension that looks at the way energy moves in and through your life. And part of that is looking at how you breathe. Then there is the mental and emotional dimension. That's one dimension. It looks at how you're using your brain. It looks at how you are able to process and express your emotions. And that dimension is supported by sleep because sleep can definitely change the way you're able to use your brain. Yeah, I had a rough night's rest two nights ago and I really felt it. I was like, what is going on? I am a different person right now. Then there's the wisdom dimension, and that looks at your relationship to your inner wisdom. That gets back to some of the self-expertise that we were talking about. So looking at your ability to be present, to hear from your wisdom, and then to do something about it by taking a line to action. And then the final piece is bliss, which... Before I started this work, I always thought of bliss as kind of being disconnected or outside of myself. But now I think of bliss as a state of really deep connection, connection to yourself, like the truest expression of who you are, connection to community and connection to something bigger than you. And so as we're looking at these five dimensions and these sub dimensions, it allows us to be really intentional about how we're caring for ourselves to make sure that we're caring for all of ourselves and also noticing that certain parts of ourselves might need more or less care depending on the season of life that we're in. Yeah, it's so good. Like I like I mean, I've never really thought about it in such a like a broad holistic sense before. I think most of us really think about self-care in terms of looking after our mental and our physical needs. Like and that's kind of where it And even the mental side of it, I think a lot of us think about, we don't really connect it to like how we're speaking to ourselves or like the energy that we're, you know, taking in and and like, and things like that. Like, it's just, I mean, to me, I was just like, wow, this is so much more than I had really considered. And yet it makes so much sense to consider all of these things. And I think what's great about it too, is that it actually makes it seem like less of a task and more of like, almost like a way of being in terms of like how you're showing up for yourself every day instead of like, okay, I need to do these things to like look after my physical health or look after my mental health. Yeah. I love that description of it as a way of being. Yeah. It's like you have a relationship with yourself, whether or not you're intentionally cultivating it, whether or not it is a positive relationship. And the way that I'm talking about self-care is an invitation for you to be intentional in how you're relating to yourself. And that's so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, because one, like when in the self-assessment tool that you have, which I will like, you know, link to in the in the show notes, you talk about like, it was like, I can't remember the exact phrase you used, but it was like, you appreciate your body or you do you, you speak kindly about your body. And I was just like, wow, like, I don't think I've ever considered like putting that in sort of a self-care bucket, but it actually makes a lot of sense that the way that you speak to yourself and, and obviously like that intersects with the work I do related to your body. So that really popped out to me. I was like, oh, this is really, I was like, oh, that's really cool that you incorporated that in there too. As part of that self-care practice was like, you know, incorporating self-acceptance into it. Yeah. Cause like when you think about 
caring, like how you express care to someone that you love, like your romantic partner, your good friend, your parents, whoever it is, like you consider how you talk to them. Like, do you write them a love note or a love song? Or are you annoyed at them and you say something really mean that you have to take back? Like, so it can be really separate in the conversation. But then when you think about it, you're like, oh, yeah. I do express care to other people based on how I talk to them. So I can express care to myself by considering how I talk to myself. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm curious to know, like for somebody embarking on making some changes, like, what do you think, and this might be a question that you're like, well, it's too, there's a lot to it. But like, what do you think the biggest change that most people need to make is like, is it in like the way that they're just thinking about it? Is it like the question that they sort of ask themselves? Like what's kind of like the biggest change that you think people need to make to really shift to like self expertise and like really look at like caring themselves, caring for themselves? Yeah, I think the simplest way to do it is to bring it back to that definition of self care. Uh, The starting point for people is figure out how you hear from yourself, the listening within. So are you the person who hears from yourself by journaling? Are you someone who's like really embodied and you do a body scan? Like there are some people like this who will do a body scan and they'll be like, I'm really tight in my hips because I had this conversation with my boss and I'm holding on to this emotion in my hips. And for some people listening, you're like, that is not me. That is not my story. And other people are like, oh, yeah, that just happened to me yesterday. So that might be a way that you hear from yourself. But figuring out like what is that entry point into the conversation that you're having with yourself? And by entry point, I both mean how you best hear from yourself, but also when you're better able to do that. Are you a morning person? Are you an afternoon person? Is it better for you on the weekends? All of these different things to consider. So for everyone, starting with the listening within, and for some people that will be the work for you for a while, is just to learn how to hear from yourself. Like not even worrying about what you do with it, but just to be able to hear the way that your being is speaking to yourself, maybe the work for you for a while. For other people, you're like, oh, I got that. And then you move into the loving response. And again, that word loving is important because I would guess that many of the people listening, we're used to doing things out of obligation. We're used to just getting things done so we can check the box and achieve. But going back to this idea, we're talking about self-care. We don't want to do things just out of obligation then. We want to do things out of care and intention. So finding the loving way to give yourself what you need. And that doesn't mean that it's always going to be some sunshine and roses. Sometimes the loving response is something that feels a little bit uncomfortable in the moment, but it is setting you up for success in the long term. So yeah, if you're looking for a starting point, I would just say like, how am I listening within? How do I hear from myself? How can I set up a way to do that consistently? And then how can I get better at doing loving responses without the perfectionism, without the legalism of I need to do it exactly this way in order for it to be right? Yeah, that's so good. And so what's your advice for someone who's like, okay, that really sounds that sounds so good. And I feel so guilty, like doing these things, because I have all these other priorities, like, I've got to look after my kids, or I have to go to work or like, it's like, how do you and obviously, like, you must have sort of experienced that yourself, because you talk about being like a workaholic and a high achiever. It's like, how do you kind of, like, let yourself off the hook in one area in order to prioritize yourself? Yeah, 
Oh, that's such a rich question. So I think the first part is to consider that like caring for yourself, especially this way that I'm talking about it, not just caring for yourself by like spending money, but caring by for yourself by getting to know yourself is somewhat countercultural. So it's going to feel weird because there are going to be plenty of your people in your life who like don't get it or are maybe a little jealous that they're not doing that for themselves. So just acknowledging the reality that like, yeah, this feels a little weird because it's probably not how you were brought up. It's probably not what you've seen rewarded. And also, if you are serious about caring for yourself and your people and going after the things that you want for the long term, practicing self-care is one of the best things that you can do. Because if you want to have a sustainable impact, you have to be able to sustain the pace of life that you're going at. And for many of us, we set up our lives at a pace that isn't sustainable. And then we like get burned out and we tap out and maybe you're not the best mom or the best worker or the best romantic partner. And then you ease back in. But wouldn't it be so much easier if you didn't have to have that like hit the brakes emergency situation and you could just continue to show up at a pace that allowed you to show up with excellence, but do it from a place of ease. That's what I'm always aspiring to. So that's more like kind of conceptual in terms of like tactical, what you can do. Start with the time that you have point blank. Like one of my favorite practices, my, um, one of the people that I learned meditation from Dr. Itzai Ivan, he talks about a one minute meditation where you spend the first 20 seconds fixing your posture because a lot of times we're slouched, we're doing whatever. You spend the next 20 seconds being aware of your breath and you spend the final 20 seconds doing a quick body scan. Everyone, I guarantee you, you have a minute at some point in your day where you could do that really quickly. And you're not going to judge yourself and be like, well, it should have been a 30 minute meditation. You're going to celebrate yourself because you just spent one minute caring for yourself. The biggest barrier that I see to people not doing this is that they have an idea that their self-care only counts if they follow someone else's method, if they spend enough time, if they blah, 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 blah. Get rid of that if and just celebrate the fact that you did something for yourself. Yeah, like one minute, right? And I actually was thinking about that yesterday because you talk about the like, like the silence for 90 seconds. And I was like, on a, I was walking outside and I was like, yeah, just like silence for 90 seconds. Okay, I did it. Because <laughs> I'm normally like always listening to something like I always have something, you know, going or I'm like looking at something or like my son's with me. And so it was, uh, yeah, it was just like, I was like, okay, like it is like literally just, you know, one minute, 90 seconds. Like, that's actually what I appreciated about a lot of the stuff in your book is that it isn't, you know, like these overwhelming massive changes. I mean, obviously, I think if you do a lot of them over time, like it will gradually create bigger shifts in your life. But yeah, the tools aren't necessarily like doesn't require you to like completely color code your schedule with like a new (laughs) version of you that is not true to the amount of time that you actually have. Yeah, because that's how we can get burned out on self care. Like, you think that you need to change everything about how you're interacting with yourself and how you're showing up in a day. And maybe you get super excited about it for a week or two weeks or a month. And then all of a sudden you're like, this doesn't fit my life. And then you stop altogether. I would so much rather you start with like a little opening and then see if there's space to expand than overwhelm yourself and then be burned out on your life and be burned out on these things that are supposed to help you feel cared for. 
Yeah, totally. One of the other things you talk about is that self-care doesn't mean solo care. And I think like even just in our conversation right now, it's it still feels very much like solo care. So like what's missing from that? And like, how do we go beyond that? Yeah. So self-care in some ways, I think is an easier conversation for society to have, even if I don't fully agree with the mainstream, like we are used to doing things by and for ourselves into prioritizing the individual. But that's not actually how we're wired to be as humans. And I also find that like in this season, I am caring for myself pretty well. And it is because I am so supported that I have like rich friendships and people who can support me. I have a husband who is sometimes my accountability partner who will be like, hey, you said you're going to do this thing or like, hey, have you eaten today? Because again, with my ADHD, sometimes I hyper focus on something and then I just totally forget and I look up and it's like 4 p.m. and I haven't nourished my body. So I have people who can support me in making sure I'm doing the things that make me feel cared for. So that's one way that like people can just help me in the act of care. But even beyond that, like the end goal of us caring for ourselves is never just for ourselves. Like if I would sit down with any of the listeners, like you, yes, you want to feel cared for. You want to feel fulfilled in your life. And a lot of times that's because you want to have an impact or because you want to feel more deeply connected to your loved ones in your family. And when we aren't caring for ourselves, we're not a lot of fun to be around. We're probably not showing up the ways that we want to. And in order to get to that place of, again, coming back to the sustainability, we need to be willing to give and to receive. And what I found over time is that so much of my work with clients or in workshops is talking about to people about how we can get you support. And it generally is not that the support is not there. It's that we're not willing to ask because we think that we are less than if we're asking for support, we should be able to do everything on our own. And that's like, that's a huge lie. No one should be able to do everything on their own. That's not how we're designed as humans. So I'm like, I'm pausing here because I get very passionate about this. But yeah, it's impossible that you'd be able to do everything on your own. It's just no. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so important, right? Because I think that like, and we've talked about this on this podcast before with other people too. It's just, it is really hard to ask for help. And it is, it is really hard to feel like you're almost like worthy and deserving of it. Like you feel like you're like being a burden for on somebody. Like it's like, oh, I don't want to put you out. But I think when we're always on the other side of it, like when someone asks us for help, like we're always happy to, to give it because that's how we care for other people. So it becomes this like, you know, this circular thing if we're also engaging in that process of, of asking for help as well. Yeah. And something that I'll add, I said this recently on my podcast, and I've just been sitting with this like for a month of especially for people who are perfectionist or have perfectionist tendencies. We think that like by being a perfectionist, that is what will make people feel connected to us. And that might make people admire us or think that we have it all together. But people don't actually connect with perfection. People connect when we are willing to share what's going on underneath the surface. And whenever I'm 
hesitant to ask for help because I feel like, oh, they're going to think less of me or, oh, blah, 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 blah. I go back to that. Like, no, I'm offering an opportunity to deepen a connection with this person that wouldn't be possible if I pretended my life was perfect. Oh, I love that reframe. That's so good. It's not even a reframe. It's just the truth. But it's like a different, you know, it's a reframe within ourselves in order to engage in that process. That's so good. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, because I just noticed on your on your Instagram page that you had said in September that you were stepping away from social media. Like, I'm just curious to know what made you decide to do that. And like, how has that been for you, especially with like launching a book? Like, what's that been like for you? Yeah, so... I've had a fraught relationship with social media. I still like personally show up on Instagram stories. I'm personally pretty active on LinkedIn because I do a lot of work with organizations. Inner workout will occasionally post in stories. But what I just realized is that I'm trying to say this as concisely as possible. I had a few observations. One was that from like a business perspective, we weren't getting an ROI. So we are putting a lot of time, effort, energy into resources on Instagram. But if people were connecting with us and buying from us, they tended to come from our newsletter. So it was like, oh, there's a mismatch. I was like paying someone else to run Inner Workouts Instagram, who is so good at community management and was so good at the work that she did, but we weren't getting those results. There is also the other piece kind of ideologically where... I just think there's a lot of content on this stuff in the world on and on the stuff. I mean, self-care, personal development. There's a lot of that in the world. It's so easy for us to get that dopamine hit of, oh, I liked it. I shared it. That means I did the work. And really, you didn't do the work. You like to post about doing the work. So I would so much rather create spaces for people to do the work than just create like these little bite-sized things that make you feel like you did something when you didn't. And I also found that the most common complaint that I get from people is they feel like they don't have time for self-care, but a lot of us are spending more time than we would like on social media. So we just kind of deprioritized Instagram. When the book came out for like two weeks before, we did post more regularly. We're talking about maybe like how, how we might do like one or two posts a week. But honestly, the business is like, doing really well. I feel good not having to spend as much energy thinking about being on social media. And it feels a little bit more in alignment with values and with the the way that I would love to people see people doing their inner work. So it's a very personal choice. And I've had it where I will like take full breaks from Instagram and come back on. But it just felt nice to kind of say like, this isn't our priority anymore. You're welcome to follow us. We'll occasionally show up here. But like, don't count on us being here, count on us being in these other places. Yeah, that's so cool. No, I love it. Because I'm, I'm like, you know, in a similar position with, you know, having to, you know, use online marketing and social media is such a big aspect of that. And so I was like, Oh, I was like, I really want to ask you about that. And then I think other people benefit from hearing about it, too. Just even we're, like, it doesn't even matter if you have like, you know, some sort of a public profile or a business, but just within yourself, like in terms of 
like you mentioned, you know, like the, like it's not actually doing the work, you know, like reading stuff, like consuming. And I know that was something else that you talked about was like people who are kind of like self-aware overachievers. So people who like know so much about personal development, know so much about self-care, but it's not actually integrated into their lives. And, and that's something I talk about too. Like we have this tendency to like consume information and it feels like we're doing the work, but it's not actually like we're not embodying it. It's not actually changing anything. We just, we're just accumulating all this knowledge. And so, yeah, I, I, I thought that was really relevant to what you just talked about too. Yeah. It's all of this stuff stems from reminders that I tend to need. And then I see like, oh yeah, other people probably need this permission and break too. And like, if anyone who is a business owner is listening or anyone who is building like a public profile, I would just encourage you to be like, really honest with yourself about like, okay, what are the things that I'm measuring? And do these actually matter? Like even before we got off of social media, we did, we kind of stopped measuring followers because like that didn't matter. (laughs) And I feel like that's a metaphor for a, a lot of things in our own inner work where we can get so caught up on, can I meditate for 30 minutes? Can I do X, Y, Z? And it's like, cool, but wouldn't you rather instead of saying I meditate for 30 minutes every day, wouldn't you rather say I mindfully respond to situations? Like that's really the outcome that you're trying to get from meditating. So why not focus on that instead of this thing that you can brag about? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so helpful. That's great. So um, as we wrap things up here, like you have the self-assessment on your website, which takes about 10 minutes to complete. It's like a series of 75 questions and then you receive the report. And then the book is really like, I mean, you feel, I feel you need the assessment to do the book, right? Like, because or you could just read the book, of course, and then take what you want from it. But it really then guides you as to like what areas of the book to focus on. And I loved the way you laid everything out and like so many great ideas and things like that and like how to implement. And it was really like useful, like something I could see like you going back to kind of over and over, depending on like what your needs are in any given time. I hope I explained that correctly. (laughs) Yeah, you totally did. Like the so the assessment, totally free. You can do that as many times as you want, and it's free. And then the book is like a really nice companion to the assessment. And I love how you said you saw it as something that you could come back to because my editor, when we were talking about this, she's like, I want a really beautiful book that people could like put on their bedside. And if they opened it up on any page, there'd be something useful for them. And like hearing you describe the book, I'm like, okay, we did it. We like met my editor's goal. Yeah, 100% you did. Yes, you did. So where can people find more of you then, Taylor? Yeah, I feel like the best place is on the website, innerworkout.co. There's a link to the assessment and to the book right on the front page. And then I mentioned the newsletter. That's where we're like most active. Our podcast is seasonal now. So you'll know if the podcast is in or out of season if you're on our newsletter. It's called Self-Care Sundays. People love getting it. And it's just like a an invitation for you to take a moment for yourself on a Sunday. Amazing. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. And yeah, just like such great wisdom. So I appreciate everything that you've that you've shared with us today. Rock on. Thank you so much. This was such a joy.
All right. I hope you enjoyed that one. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for listening to this season of the show. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you have a wonderful summer. Enjoy listening to some of the replays. They're good ones. And I'll be back with some new episodes in the fall. Thank you so much. Oh, you can find the links mentioned in this episode at summerinandin.com forward slash 273. Thank you for listening. Rock on. I'm Summer Inanin, and I want to thank you for listening today. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Summer Inanin. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts, search Eat the Rules, and subscribe, rate, and review this show. I would be so grateful. Until next time, rock on. 